3, just for the theme verse itself. Um, and I'll go through a few things on Luke chapter 10 to finish up our first point. You may have to get through our second book, but you have the booklet. If you have your booklet in your hand, um, it's a very simplistic booklet put together. Page number one has a table of contents. Um, in the table of contents, you'll see there's page 11 has session answers. Um, so all the fill in the blanks that you come along uh, through the booklet, if you miss them, they're there. That's your cheat sheet to pass the test. <laughs> you got all the answers. Uh, but write them in. Um, uh, we learn when we hit all of our senses. Uh, you hear it, you see it, um, you touch it. So it's writing down something as you're going through. Taking notes is a very useful tool. You may not be able to do it in every church services. In some sermons that are preached, um, may not need. You may not need to pause to take notes because you need to be mindful of the Spirit driving an issue to your heart. Um, but always be prepared. Piece of paper. Scribble something down. Um, that you can go back to and digest it later because every sermon that's ever preached is going to have more than you're going to digest sitting right there. So whatever you can take back with you, um, and that's what this booklet's for, so you have plenty of materials here to study. As we go through the booklet, you're going to notice two, two different images in here. One is an image of a book, um, a little image of a book, and that means that's somewhere you're supposed to turn to the passage um, and open up the passage. Um, other passages I will quote and then you have a hand with a little pin in it that means there's something to write down uh, so you write down you fill in the blank then at the end of each um, point there's several lines of uh, blank lines on the right hand side so you can scribble any of your own notes as you go along as well and we were getting through point number one um, we got through the first three points of uh, five points in point number one um, so if you're taking notes let me tell you what those first three are the first one on page number four in your booklet, page number four in your booklet. Um, these here are how we are to call upon the Lord. Okay, Jesus gives the example as he sent out the 70 and Luke 10 verse one through verse number 20. Um, the first point in this is we need to pray for our preparation. And I won't uh, read each of the details underneath. And I gave you a bit more during the preach. And I want to get through these first three just for your fill in the blank. So first is pray for your preparation in verse number one and two. Pray for your protection in verse number three. And we just hit pray for your provision, which is verse number four. Pray for your provision. Uh, so we're on the, on the next point. It's going to be verse 10 through verse number 16. So let me find my place in my notes. This is going to be pray for your provocation. You're going to be provoked. You are going to be provoked. Let me turn my Bible open also. Luke chapter 10. These will be verse 10 through 16. Look at what verse number 16 says. As these have gone out, verse number 16 says, He that heareth you, heareth me. He that, what? Despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. There's going to be a provocation that's going to be going on no matter where you go. They're going to despise you, and they're going to hate you when you bring them the message of hope. You're going to scratch your head. You're going to wonder why. You may throw up your arms and say, why am I even bothering with this? You don't want this. You, all you're doing is literally, you may not go into the prison or be whipped or stripped or decked, which I was once, <laughs> uh, shoved or pushed. But just the fact that they despise you. Um, if we are not prayed up, if we are not in the spirit, walking in the spirit with the power of the spirit, then we are going to be in the power of the flesh. And uh, the day that I got decked, um, I was walking down the street doing some letterboxing. 
and I put uh, letter, put it uh, in. All, I put it in everything. If it says junk mail goes everywhere, um, Australia has different laws, uh, but in New Zealand you can put it in the junk mail, a legal rate. Um, you can if you are a charity or if you are a government um, organization, you can put it in any letter boxes unless the letter box says addressed mail only. Um, so I'm putting it in everything. It went into his letter box. I saw the guy on the step. I didn't walk up to talk to him because I saw the guy on the step. I saw the facial expressions. I thought, I'm just going to letterbox, keep on going, uh, move on. I knew he was eyeballing me because he was waiting for me to stick it in his no jump in the letterbox. Um, then he came out. I'm halfway down the street. Here comes this guy waving the track at me. And I thought, oh, he got my track. He really wants to know what's going on. Just as he got close enough to me, wadded the thing up, and there it went into my chest. And I went flat on my back. And uh, you know what the flesh said to do? Come on, guys. <laughs> the flesh said, jump up and give it right back to him, but not from my mouth. I'm going to put that in your chest also. Uh, so I just laid down there, and I was, uh, <laughs> so I just took, took it, took it, and went on after he moved on. I didn't get up until he moved on um, because I may have moved on in the wrong direction. Um, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. That, that's been the only extreme on me. But my point is, if we are in the flesh, we're going to respond in the flesh. They spit in your face, you're going to want to spit in their face. They slap at you, knock something out of your hand. The flesh is just going to go, we're all human. I mean, I'm not a super Christian superhero. Someone that stands up here, if they act like they're a superhero, don't have them back. They're not super Christians. They're not superheroes. They're just like you. All that we are doing up here is answering our call. He talked about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. Them things are so misunderstood because they're not taught. They're not taught. People don't know what they are. We're no different than you. We're not super Christian, superhero, because my gift is here and your gift is here. We have an obligation. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. Exactly. That means if I'm given a gift that's going to allow me to reach a million souls, you know what my rewards are going to be based upon? How many of the million I reach? If you're given a gift of the Spirit, whatever your gift is, and what if, what if God only has one soul for you to reach in your lifetime? I don't think that is going to happen. But let's say one soul in your lifetime, and you don't reach that one soul, you lose all your rewards in eternity. If you get that one soul, you've got 100% of your rewards in eternity. If I'm supposed to reach a million and I only reach half a million, I've lost 50% of my rewards if it's my fault and I didn't do what I'm supposed to do and I did not reach my potential to whom much is given, much is required. We don't judge one another by someone else's gift and within the gifts of the Spirit. We don't judge ourselves by someone else's ability in that gift because once we get into the gift of the Spirit, I guarantee you Pastor Belcher has a lot better gift in preaching than I do. I'm working my way up. I'm getting there with age, with experience. Young men, if you have the gift of preaching, you're, we're no better than you. You're no better than us. You're not up to our ability. You have an ability within that gift. And keep growing in the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ as we go forward. But what I'm saying is we have the exact same flesh. If we're not walking in the Spirit, if we're not prayed up, bathing our efforts in prayer, we're just going to respond in the Spirit. I mean, respond in the flesh when we are attacked and provoked in the, in the flesh. Provocation is going to happen. We have to understand this. When they despise what we are doing, they're not despising us. They're despising God. Jesus said, they despise you, they despise me. And if they despise me, because they despise you, they despise me, they despise God. So they're despising God. We are just the vessels. We are just as messengers to um, get out. So we do not quit. We cannot quit. We cannot take it personal. 
And it's easy to take it personal. And that's what prayer is all about. If we are not bathed in prayer, we are going to take things very personal. And we're going to respond personal. We are going to either respond aggressively back to them or just quit. Why am I even here? Why do I want to bring the message? You don't want it. What am I wasting my time? I could be making 10 times the income. I could be doing this. I could be doing that. The flesh starts telling you all of this stuff. And before you know, because you're not prayed up, you're no longer soul winner. The gospel is not going, and gospel is not going out. This seems impossible. It seems impossible, but it's not impossible. It's spiritual, and that means we have to go to the Spirit. We have to be prayed up in the Spirit. Our flesh and our emotions and our feelings, they are real. They're not going to go away. You're going to get, an ang you're going to get angry, and understand anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. Who here can control their anger? We can control our wrath. You can't control, you can't always control your anger. You ever had that time where you just felt your blood boiling? Uh, your ears, you could see them turning red. I mean, these things, it's an emotional, re anger is an emotional reaction. Jesus said, be ye and sin, not wrath. How we react to it, just like anything, our joy, our laughter, our crying, any emotion, these were given to us by God. God created us with these, but he taught us how these can be controlled. And that's being prayed up and being walking in the spirit. These are real. Your emotions are real. Don't quit just because you have an emotion. I was emotional today. A soul got saved. I just wanted to sit there and cry. I mean, I was like, he asked me, you, you sick today? I'm like, no, I think I'm just sniffling up another one. And there went another tear. I, I'm sorry. It may not have wept out here, but I was, he shook my hand. I said, what did I tell you? I got goosebumps. I mean, the soul got saved. I mean, this is an emotion. And it's a great emotion that we should have. And we're not, we don't rely on our emotions. We're not charismatic. We, we, don't, we don't judge ourselves by our emotions. But guess what you have? Emotions. Emotions. And if we're not careful, if we're not prayed up, the provocation that is going to come your way, it, it's going to be there. You're not going to respond in the spirit. You're going to respond in the flesh. So we have to be, um, we have to be prayed up. Now let me find my thought on this one uh, real quick. Give me a second prayer. Uh, that was number five, verse number 10 through verse number 17. Pray. We have to pray as we go out, pray, bathe in prayer for that provocation. Mockers are everywhere. Rejectors are at every corner. And our job is to still get the message of hope out to him, regardless of the provocation. And the last one, and this one is a dangerous one, especially in our, our churches, independent Baptist churches. For one, there's way too much pride. Pride. Verse number 17 through verse number 20. Uh, the fifth one is pray for our pride. Pride can kick in at any time. I'm a proud person. Well, I'm proud of this church. I mean, there's a difference between being proud of your children and having a pride, having pride. Though we are, though, though our pride, it's not, it may not keep us from, uh, our pride will not keep a soul from being saved. Um, we got to be aware that if our soul, if we're soul winning for the wrong reason, our pride is not going to affect them. The gospel, the word of God is the power of the salvation. Our pride is going to affect us. Look in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. I forgot to watch my time. Let me get my watch out here. I'll, I'll, my time starts now since I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting right there. I don't think <laughs> I've been talking, what, two minutes? 
First Corinthians. Here, here's what this is what it's all about when it when it comes to our um, our reasoning for soul winning. Um, and when I say reasoning, are we are, are we prideful and boastful, um, going after numbers, trying to outdo someone else? First Corinthians nine verse sixteen through eighteen. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing, how? Willingly, I have a what? A reward. But if against my what? Will. Our will, if we're in the will of God, we are supposed to be doing it because God said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel, make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Paul could have, because of Paul's position and who he was, he could have spoken, people would have said a prayer just because he said so. The power of who he was, the power of an apostle, the power of speaking in the spirit, literally inspired of God and the spirit of God speaking to pin down the majority of the New Testament. He had great power of God given him. And, and there are no apostles today, by the way. We heard that one this morning. Um, and he said, how old are you? Well, you'd have to be over 2,000 years, about 2,000 years old to be an apostle because the number one requirement of the apostle was to be a visual witness of the resurrection. I don't think any of us were there at the first Easter, <laughs> the first resurrection. So there are not apostles here, but Paul had great power as a result of this. Um, God will accomplish his work while we could be simply a dispenser of the gospel, a dispenser. Um, when, we, when a dispensation of the gospel is placed upon you, let me give you an illustration, a soap dispenser. When you walk into the toilet, and I trust um, everyone, I, I see some people walk out of the bathroom real quick and not putting their hand under that thing called a soap dispenser. <laughs> when you hit that soap dispenser, what comes out? So you go to the toilet next time you hit the soap dispenser, what comes out? If you hit it five times, what comes out? And you keep hitting it, what comes out? It just is a dispenser of soap. No reward, no nothing, doesn't wash, doesn't clean, doesn't get a reward. He's only cleaned if someone comes and washes the dust off and fills it back up. You hit the soap dispenser again and what comes out? Soap. Soap keeps coming out. Soap is there. A soap dispenser faithfully every single time pumps out soap. He does what he's supposed to do with, uh, with no end reward at all, though the cleansing job gets done. The soap does soap clean. Yeah, soap cleans. Yep. <laughs> so you hit a soap dispenser, what comes out? So does the dispenser get rewarded for putting out the soap? No. Does the soap still go on to get the job accomplished? Yes. So the dispenser, if you're doing it not of your will, if you're doing it pridefully and you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you can still get the gospel out. The soap comes out. The soap goes out. The soap does its job. The gospel cleans a soul, but this dispenser doesn't get any reward. We, we, are, we, we have been entrusted with the gospel, not that we have any power to do anything with it, but that we are blessed to be rewarded for simply being a dispenser of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you become just a dispenser, when we go out in the letterbox, we letterbox in mass and we distribute the gospel and, and, and we're just a track dispenser. I go to the next letterbox, what goes into it? Track. Go to the next letterbox. 
Next one. Next one. Next one. Next one. I do nothing. The letterbox doesn't get a reward. Nothing happens, but it goes in, and that has the power to cleanse. I don't have the power to cleanse. The job still gets done. The soul still gets saved. It's not about me and who I am. It's about what God is and his holy word is. It keeps going with no end reward of getting anything except that we have been dispensing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the cleansing job gets done. But what we've been entrusted with with the gospel is we do it with the right heart. Not with pride. And that's what was happening here um, with, uh, with the, the 70 that went out from verse 17 down to verse number 20. It says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be uh, shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding, it, it, and notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. He saw the pride in their heart. He saw that they knew what they were doing, the abilities God gave them, the dispensing he, they were given. But it was God still doing it. No one heals anybody today. There is no uh, faith healing today. Man can be a part. We can pray for one another. We can say, boy, this person got saved by the power of God. My hand can never save or do anything to anybody. Here they had that ability given to them, and God was the one still doing the work. And he said then in verse 20, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You're born again. You're always going to be born again. Whether you become a dispenser of the gospel and you totally blow it and you have no reward in, in eternity, guess where you still go? Heaven. You're still there. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. But we have to do it with the right heart. If our pride gets in the way, if that kicks in, we're in it for the wrong reason, the wrong motive. We cannot allow pride to rob us of our eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. Every soul that's saved. Every gospel tract that goes through your hands and hits a letterbox. Like I said this morning, the most, one of the most discouraging things about 80% of the people getting saved from all the tracts that we put out is the fact that we don't hear about them. We want to hear results. That's only human nature. That's natural. And it's encouraging. The goosebumps. Someone got saved today. Bless God. Or praise God. Uh, Jennifer got saved today. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, was it? Kylene. I forget her name now. Letter to the Kayleen. She got saved the other day. Four got saved yesterday. We don't know all the reports of who all got saved. That ought to excite us. That ought to motivate us. But if we never hear about a soul being saved, we should still be so prayed, prayed up that we are excited just to be the dispenser of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because 80%, if they do get saved, guess what? They're going to be up in heaven. You're going to have people come up to you and say, thank you for putting that letterbox, that tract in my letterbox. Thank you for handing me that track downtown. I was hustling down. I was running to work. I couldn't do nothing. But I read it later. And just like um, Chastity, when I gave you the example today, got that letterbox, that, that, that track out of her letterbox. I didn't lead her to the Lord. I don't even know which one of her members put the track in her letterbox. I don't even know it was when it was there because it was soggy and moldy. It was just laying there. And she did what that track said. God saved her soul. But we're going to be rewarded for that. Every track that you put out, someone gets saved, you'll be rewarded. Every track you put out, because you're doing it, whether they get saved or not, you're doing it with the right, right, right heart, 
you are rewarded for your own, your own labors. Not God's labor to save a soul, but your labor to get out and get the job done. We have to be prayed up. Prayer gets in the way. I mean, a prayer, pride gets in the way. If prayer is such an easy task, if it's such an easy task, why are we commanded so many times to pray? It's not always an easy task. Yeah, nay, yeah, nay. It's not always an easy task to be able to pray. When you get going and you start working and things start happening, we have to be praying. Jeremiah, how many times? This is the second time. So God already came to Jeremiah one time and gave him the command of Jeremiah 33, 3. Then said in Jeremiah 33, 1, the second time he came and gave him the exact same instructions. What happened? Jeremiah, he must have been out there doing the work and he forgot to pray. He was doing it and the power was going out. The things were happening. He was rebuking all through chapter number 32. But God said, I have to come to you a second time because man of God, you need to pray. You need to call unto me. We, God commands us to pray, constantly uh, commands us to pray. We are not alone. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's not easy to muster up a prayer. You ever been there? You're just drained, been a long day of spiritual battle, physical battle, work, whatever it is. You're just going. Thank you, Jennifer. Serving already. Oh, that's refreshing. Even more refreshing because Jennifer brought it to me. Thank you. Praise God for that. We got to remember that mustering up a prayer is difficult if we're doing it in the flesh. Jeremiah lying in a dark prison, laying down in a dark prison. The word of the Lord had to come to him a second time and say, call unto me. Jonah, running from God, the word of the Lord had to remind him in Jonah 1.6, call upon thy God. The disciples, their minds were wondering, their eyes were heavy in Matthew 26, verse number 41. And the word of the Lord had to come to the disciples and say, watch and pray. They had to be reminded, watch and pray. For the church, for you and I, all through the church epistles, there is only one church epistle. That does not have the word prayer in it. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 5, the church is reminded, give yourselves to prayer. Galatians is the only one that doesn't even have the word prayer in it. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray always. Philippians 4.6 says, in everything by prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, continue in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. 1 Timothy 2.1, first of all, supplication and prayer. We need to be praying. Let's be a Galatians church, knowing that we just got that part right. We've got our prayer down. We don't have to continue to be reminded a second time and a third time. Go to the prayer. Call upon me, and I will answer thee. Call on me. Jeremiah, he's doing the job, doing the work, getting the letterboxing done, preaching the gospel, giving the deliverance, giving salvation, and God comes unto him. Are they going to be delivered? With, with or without Jeremiah, that day is coming for Israel. They will be eternally delivered. The millennial reign of Christ, they will be delivered regardless of Jeremiah. But God reminds him, you forgot to pray. Call unto me, came to him a second time. God commands and then and reminds us that we have to pray unto him. But then he promises us, he promises us that he will give us an answer. Our first point, so turn to page number six. Our first point on page number four is God's procedure. And God's procedure in all of this is that we cry unto him, call unto him. And that word call means to cry. Now the point number two is God's promise. God's promise. 
God's promise is our assurance that he hears our prayer. Ah, another servant. <laughs> oh, thank you. You guys are blessed. Thank you very much. Rewards in eternity. God's promise is our assurance that he hears us and will cry out to us. Just like the word call. The word call means to cry out. The second phrase in Jeremiah 33.3 says, I will answer thee. You know what the word answer means? It's in your, in your notes, I think. It means to cry out. Same exact thing as call. So you know what's happening here? God's command for us to cry out to him. And if we cry out to him, guess what he said he'd do? Cry out to us. He's going he's gonna to do the same thing. Does He's going to answer us. He's going to cry back to, unto us. This is God. This here is God's promise, and it's his, it's our assurance that he hears us and will cry out and answer to our cry out to him. He's going to answer us. It's an absolute promise, absolute promise from God. So on page number six, the session booklet, God answers the soul winner's prayers. He answers the soul winner's prayers. In John 16 and verse 24, John 16, 24, it says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye might receive. Oh, sorry, shall receive. <laughs> shall receive. You know what that means? Just like Jeremiah said, uh, the promise given to Jeremiah, cry out to me, and I will cry out and answer you. We just have to ask God. We have to speak to God. If we're going to get through all this bathing our soul winning in prayer, bathing our efforts in prayer so we don't mess up in those first five points we're in where we need to be the first five points on number one we need to be bathing in prayer he says hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name jeremiah remember god said jeremiah you're not asking in my name the second time he came to him talk to me call unto me i'm ready to answer you he's not just going to arbitrarily answer you you may be blessed but you know the god the bible says that he reigns equally on the just as he does the unjust just because you have blessings from God does not mean you've got an answer to prayer. If you don't ask, you don't receive. He says here, hitherto ye have asked, ye ask nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. God answers us that our joy can be full. I like answers. I like to know that someone got saved. I want my joy to be full. I want tears. I want the goosebumps. I want to be encouraged. I want to be motivated. But if we are prayed up and where we need to be, regardless of the results, our joy can be full. Simply because we dispensed the gospel. Simply because we just did our duty. Our duty. He does. God doesn't have to reward us. We just did our duty. And he said that our joy can be full. The fullest joy that a soul winner experiences is at the salvation of other souls. I was joyed. I was overjoyed of a soul being saved. Psalm 126 and verse 6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Tears with the seed, taking it out there and bringing back the soul of the ones that you led to Christ. Weeping and joy and rejoicing, bringing back the, the sheaves. So first point in, in, on page 6, God answers soul winners' prayers. God answers soul winners' prayers. The second one is God answers according to his will. God answers according to his will. You can't just pray to God and say, Lord, I want a million bucks. <laughs> He's not a genie in the bottle. He always answers according to his will. 1 John 5 and verse 14 and 15. 
1 John 5, 14 and verse number 15. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that are that we desire of him. The will of God is that souls are saved. That's what 1 Peter 3, 9 says. Turn to 1 Peter um, 3 and verse number 9. Well, actually, I'll go through verse number 12 through 16 real quick. 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9. The will of God is that souls will be saved. Will be saved. You're entrusted as an earthen vessel to take the message out. But regardless of who you are, if you're a dirty vessel, if you're a clean vessel, you're a vessel of gold, a vessel of wood or earthen, you're crushed, cracked, whatever it is, if you're out there putting the gospel out, they don't get saved because of you. They can be saved because of the word of God. Only God can give that increase. His will is that souls will be saved. He said uh, that he, in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. Why is, why is God so attentive to his servants' prayers? Why is he ready and eager to answer concerning our soul-winning efforts? Did I say 2 Peter 3? Turn to 1 Peter 3. Sorry, 1 Peter 3 and verse number 12. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye receive, if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is in you. With, uh, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas ye speak, ye they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. <laughs> Coffee real quick. Um, number one underneath of this, God answers prayers. Why does he answer our prayers? He answers our prayers in verse number 13 and 14 that we will be strong. We will be strong. These kind of connect to the last five points. We need the strength. We need spiritual strength to make it through all the opposition and all that's out there for us. So God answers prayers that we will be strong. Here, Peter is teaching that God's answers to our prayers is first and foremost purpose, the reasoning to strengthen us in our soul winning efforts. He, we need to be strong as we go out there for the Lord Jesus Christ. And his answers are that we will stand strong amidst all the different persecutions, whatever they may be. We don't face the same persecutions that um, the Middle East does um, or other countries in this world or China. Uh, we don't face the, the same thing, uh, persecutions, Vietnam and Cambodia and other countries of the world, but we still have our persecutions here. And we have to be aware that those persecutions, great or small, or whatever they may be, that we cannot handle them. And as we are walking in the spirit and we are strengthened through our prayer, the only way that we can be happy in persecution surrounding our soul winning is that we see the end result of a glorious soul being saved. So God's answers, he answers our prayers here in verse number 13 and verse number 14. He answers our prayers so that we will be strong. Verse number 14 through 16, God answers our prayers that we can have an answer. We can have an answer. Remember, in Jeremiah 33, 3, call means cry out to God. Answer means he cries out to us. The Hebrew definition, we cry and he cries an answer. 
He wants to give us the answers. We need to have an answer so he answers us that we can have an answer. In verse 13 of four, or 14 through 16, um, verse 14 through 16 is one complete sentence. One complete sentence. And it shows us that those who asketh you a reason of hope that is in you are doing so after they see a faithful testimony in you. When was the last time somebody asked about hope? Asked about why are you happy? Asked about why you go to church. Asked about where you are, how to get to heaven. Asked you anything because they see you going to church. They see you going soul winning. But these are only a few hours in the week. Then they see you the other 90%. What's your testimony in the other 90% of the time of the week? What is your testimony? That could be all that determines whether they ask about the hope that is within you. Why do you know that you're going to heaven? Why are you so why are you so happy and so joyful in all that you in all that you are doing? So he says in verse 14, or no, verse number 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And we're doing that through prayer. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. This one is not about us out there door knocking. It's not about us out on the street handing out tracts. It's about us having a testimony and they come to us. They ask us. We're not asking them. They're asking us. Do you have an answer when they ask you? You may not be able to go through the Romans road, but you can say, I trust in Christ as Savior. And leave it at that. And if you don't know how to lead them to the Lord, but you know what you did, take them to your pastor. He'll be able to walk them through that. But you can give them an answer. I'm happy because I got Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I know that I am going to heaven. I know that I am going to heaven when I die. So we have to be ready to give an answer. God answers, and he answers us very specifically. So we have to be specific when we pray unto God. So God commands us to pray. And our promise is that he is going to answer. And when he does that, it's going to take us to our third point, page number eight, God's power. We can see the power of God. God's procedure, his procedure is for us to cry out unto him. God's promise that he is going to cry right back to us with that answer. The greatest and mightiest thing that he could ever do is save a soul. Just like Jeremiah, our most desperate times in all eternity is our life here in this wretched and vile world. It's not an easy place to live. It's not an easy life. Considering all of eternity, these bodies are decaying. They're wretched. They're vile. Our emotions, everything. Adam and Eve. There's going to be a long line for what they did because we're paying the price for all of all what, for what they did. They only committed one sin. Well, now as progressive revelation made it all the way to us, it's an endless number of sins. It seems like it's out there. So much going on in this world. Our most desperate times in all of eternity is what we're living right now. But we can never stop praying. Can never stop praying for souls. And it brings us to that third point, the power. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The word mighty things, Hebrew word mighty things. That word, Hebrew word, mighty things, means incomprehensible things. Incomprehensible things. God's power, his power, is our trust. That he, uh, Our trust that he is here to do and to show that incomprehensible thing that we cannot do. And what is that? Save a soul. We can't save a soul. That is incomprehensible. I look at myself, that was incomprehensible. I cannot imagine why God would want me. Drunk, 
alcoholic, everything that I did. I don't, I don't know why he ever wanted Incomprehensible he would even want me, but it's incomprehensible power that we can never muster in ourselves at all that God saves a soul. We are going to reach, if we're going to reach the lost, we've got to trust this mighty, incomprehensible power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the, to the Greek. We may be tempted and soul winning to believe that it is in my ability, that it's in my flamboyance, it's in my what I can speak right, I can talk right, I know all the moves, I know the motions, I know the words. If we're not careful, we start to think it is in my ability, my strength, my method, my method is better than yours. You ever hear anyone say, you can't use the Romans road. That doesn't lead anyone to the Lord. You can't use just John 3, 16. That doesn't lead anyone to the Lord. I gave you the illustration of Acts 16, 30 and 31. You can't, you can't tell someone all they have to do is believe. Well, the context of all of that, if you're studied up, you're going to be prepared to give it. But if we're not careful, we start to think it's me. It's all about me. It's my method. It works. Your method doesn't work. No, it's all about this right here. It's about the power of the word of God. It's incomprehensible power that we've got to be able to trust for our soul winning efforts. Saving power rests in God alone, in him alone. So in our session booklet, turn quickly to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew 18. If I don't get through explaining these, I'll give you all the points. Matthew chapter number 18, verse 20, 18 through 20. We've been there a couple times already through some of the sessions. The first point underneath of this one is saving power belongs to Jesus. Not me, to Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. It's all, it belongs to him and him alone. It's all about him. One day, Jesus will judge the world with the power of his word. This same word that we put out there to give to someone that has the power to save their soul. If they deny the word of God, guess what turns around is going to judge them one day? The same word of God. John 12 and verse 47. And if any man hear my words and believe them not, I judge him not. And I come not. Thank God he didn't judge me not the very first time I said no. He didn't do that. He allowed the word to come back in. Today, when we get the message out, then the word out. We're not here to judge anybody. Jesus didn't come when he came to judge anybody. I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word, words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the what? Last day. That day is coming where this will cast him into the pits of hell. But until then, he's not judging. They spit in your face. They throw you down. They deny the track. I don't know how many tracks they threw in the trash. That must be your glasses. <laughs> he handed out so many tracks that they just turned around and threw them, threw them in the trash can. They just said it doesn't matter how many times people will just reject the gospel, throw it in the trash. Guess what? Jesus has not come to eternally judge them. They deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not eternally judged yet. There is another opportunity. The salvation can be there. You may have just planted a seed that the next person comes along and waters that seed. And still they don't want it. But one day God gives that increase as a yield unto them, their will unto him. And then they are saved. One day they're going to be judged by that same word that they receive. Saving power is is with is okay first of all the first one is saving power belongs to jesus in verse 18 of matthew 28 
saving power is is with us always always in chapter 18 and verse uh, 19 and 20 turn to first Corinthians chapter 2 our flesh our flesh is often tossed between trusting God and trusting man trusting God and trusting man and there's many great men to trust it's out there I would highly recommend swordbooks.com, the sword of the Lord. Get to sword of the Lord. You'll find the, 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 the greatest number of men in one place that you know that you can trust. Without a doubt, you can trust their preaching. There's a lot that, out there that we can trust. But if we're not careful, we start being tossed, trusting John R. Rice and his word. Or uh, I can't even remember some of them. Curtis Hudson in his word. You start just mimicking men and going after them and missing the point that it's still about this because those men were right here. We got to be careful because our flesh will start following a method and it just becomes ink on a page. It just becomes repetition, not from our heart, not allowing the spirit to move in what we are speaking unto them. You have no clue when you walk up to someone and they want to ask you to be saved that the spirit's going to tell you like the spirit told the apostle Paul in Acts 16 and verse 30 and 31. And someone says that they're ready to be saved. If you're not walking in the spirit, you may blow the opportunity and not just say, just believe. Just believe. They're ready. They've been there. They've all, you may not have witnessed it. They may have already been under conviction. They may have already been repentant. They know what sin is, what Christ did. You have no clue. But if we're walking in the Spirit and minding the Spirit, then we can say, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see conviction in our heart if you're witnessing it, watching it. But someone else may have already planted that seed and watered that seed. And Jesus didn't come to judge, so they kept getting it, kept getting it, kept getting it. And all of a sudden, they're ready to be saved. And now you're sitting there at that point. We can't. We got to be careful who we are trusting, who we are trusting. Not necessarily the man, but man in general or God. Which one are we trusting, no matter how great they are? So... Underneath of this one, our trust must never rest in man's plans. Never rest. Now, I'm talking about our trust. Our trust. We have to trust God and God alone. Paul did not preach in his power in excellency of speech, nor enticing words of men's wisdom. And that was in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. There are times that we need to be bold. Paul asked for boldness. But there's yeah. times that we need to be super meek. And we, if we're yeah. reminding the spirit, that's who we trust. Then it may come a time where just believe. You just got to believe. You're there. Just believe. You're there. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And that's not easy believism unless that's all you tell them is believe. And you have it, and you know they haven't been witnessed to. Um, our trust must always rest in God's power. The next point. As effective as effective as soul winning plans may be, and I've, I've brought you the Romans Road, John's Road. I gave you a whole list of how to witness them to the Maori, how to witness to them and be careful. I give you all kinds of things in the past 10 years of what to do, all kinds of plans. But as effective as soul winning plans may be, we cannot allow them to stop the moving of the incomprehensible power of God to save a soul. 
And that's not going to happen if you're not prayed up. Yeah. And you're not prepared as you go out in to do your soul winning. Yeah. The demonstration of the spirit and of power in our soul winning efforts only comes as we invest time, labor, trust, prayer, all wrapped around God's holy, God's holy, God's yeah. holy word. Yeah. We, when we trust God above man, trust God above man, uh, man's wisdom, then we experience that incomprehensible power of God. The soul that I thought would never get saved, trust Christ as Savior. That person will never get saved. And then they sit there weeping like a baby to be saved. I'm sit back and wonder, how it works. It's the power of God. God is the one that can save. I'm going to jump to page 10 and just kind of wind it up. I think I gave you all the fill in the blanks. If you missed any, it's on page 11 for you. But on page number 10, I just want to close a quick conclusion on the session. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 1. I'll read through these and then give you the three points. Once again, God's procedure, God's promise, God's power out of Ephesians chapter number one. And we'll close. Ephesians one, verse uh, 15 through verse number 23, verse number 15 and 16. This is in the conclusion page. This is God's procedure and his procedure is that we cry out unto him. And we see that in verse 15 and 16 in Ephesians one applying to the church. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention uh, of you in my prayers. This is calling out. This is our prayer. Praying for soul winners, them young soul winners, the young Jennifers, those that just get born again. Pray for them because they can go lead a soul to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. So the first point in our, our, our whole booklet is God's procedure seen in Ephesians 1 verse 15 through 16 to cry out unto God. Verse 17 and 18 in Ephesians 1 is God's promise, which is our assurance that he hears us and will cry the answer back to us. So verse 17 and verse 18, Paul goes on that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. Why is he given unto you? Because it was already prayed. Paul cried out. He's praying for these soul winners. Now God's answering, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may uh, know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory uh, of his inheritance and his saints. Uh, so the third point then in our, our booklet outline is God's power in the conclusion in verse 19 through verse number 23 of Ephesians 1. God's power is our trust that he is here to do and to show his, the incomprehensible things that we are incapable of doing, and that's saving a soul. Verse 19 through verse number 23, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? This is incomprehensible from Jeremiah 33, 3. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which we wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand um, in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and, he, and hath put all things under. This is incomprehensible power. This is at our fingertips because we have prayed. We cried unto him and he cried unto us. Now we have this power, verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is the body the fullness of him that filleth all in all i want to be filled all in all 
And I'm not going to get there unless I have cried unto him. Then his promise, he cries the answer back unto me. And I just sit back and witness the all in all power of the incomprehensible God to go out and save a soul that I cannot do. I can't do nothing. And whether or not I am witness to it, if I do it for the wrong reason, I get no reward. The soul still saved. But praise God, when we go to heaven, we will be rewarded because we have been prayed up. We cried on him. He cried unto us. And he just revealed his incomprehensible power by saving the soul. Like Jeremiah, our most despairing time in all eternity is the life that we are living in this wretched world. Like Jeremiah, this world is not my home. Just a passing through. Like Jeremiah, he wants to answer your prayers and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And like Jeremiah, God has called the church to deliver his message, his eternal message of hope to a lost and dying world. The absolute greatest, mightiest, incomprehensible thing that God could do is save a soul. Save a soul. And boy, if you've never witnessed that, you have no clue what that rejoicing and that joy is all about. We all witness it today. But if you're the one that leads someone to the Lord, you're just going to break down. I'm telling you, it is the greatest joy next to the day of your own salvation. The question is, are you ready and willing to allow God to use you as a soul winner in this wretched and vile world? We need to be prayed up. The theme this year, prayer. Prayer for our soul winning efforts. Take this booklet. The answers are in there. The, soul, the plan of salvation is on the last two pages. Study it. Read it. Those are my words. So that is a plan of man, but it's laid out according to the word of God. You go through and you start studying plans, develop what you need, where God can lead you. Study up and be ready. There's coming a day when you're going to talk to someone and you think you don't have the words to say to them, but because you still study this plan, you study the word of God, study the Romans road, study John's road, study the sword of the Lord, uh, soul winning plan, whatever it is, all of a sudden you thought you didn't have an answer. But the Spirit of God brings something out from your mind and your heart to give them exactly what they need. It wasn't mystical. It's because you studied. You're prayed up. It's there. And the Spirit has something to use to save a soul. Incomprehensible power of God is at our fingertips. If we're crying unto him, then he's going to cry back unto us. Thank you, preacher. Amen. And the people say, Amen. Amen. Wow, that's time. Um, we finished the book. Yes. So, um, we have, we still have Wednesday, so are we going to have another book? Preaching. preaching. Okay, okay. Alright, so now um, uh, we, will, we will take a break for a while and uh, if we, we have uh, Pastor Belcher to come um, to preach to us this time for the last session of the day, but we will, we will have that maybe earlier than, than our schedule. We, support, we are supposed to have that at 4. But Pastor Howell um, uh, quickly finished suddenly <laughs> the decision, so uh, we will we will have Pastor Belcher uh, to come maybe in 10-15 um, minutes. So once once it's done, it's complete. Then we have to go home early. So I did not expect that Pastor Howell 